0: Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and designing enclosures for electronics. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 371. So our
1: guest this week is Riley Hall. Riley is the Director of Product Marketing for Fictive. He has over 10 years of experience working in highly technical manufacturing engineering environments at companies including Hexagon Manufacturing Intelligence, Hilti North America, and Markforged. Riley holds a BA in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Michigan, as well as an MBA from the University of Colorado Boulder, and lives with his wife Hannah in Denver, enjoying hiking, skiing, and the occasional
0: Colorado brewery. Thank you, Riley, for coming on to our podcast. Yeah,
2: awesome to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: So before we uh, completely jump into Fictive and Enclosures and all that stuff, um, what is your favorite Colorado brewery?
2: My favorite Colorado brewery? Hmm. I like this place called Acreage. So it's up north of the city a little bit. Uh, they got this big outdoor area. You look over the mountains. You can bring the dogs, let them run around. Um, the only scary part is when my dog knocks over a small child who is also running around. So, other than that, an awesome place to be.
1: That sounds pretty normal for a uh, for a brewery out here.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: All right, cool. Um, so,
2: uh, Riley, what is fictive? Yeah, so fictive is a online platform that offers manufacturing services um, for companies and consumers of all sizes and shapes. So we specialize in CNC machining, uh, injection molding, and 3D printing. We also do some urethane casting on the side, Uh, but we're really working to connect um, new product development engineers and R&D teams into a really vetted supplier network um, to get your parts turned around quickly at a cost that makes sense uh, and at the quality that you would expect from your shop around the corner
1: so fictive kind of does uh the macrofab style platform thing but for uh, your mechanical
2: items yeah exactly if you think about it for um, like custom mechanical parts, right? Well, we, we don't do a whole lot of screws and bolts and washers, but if you think about like complex, custom designed, manufactured hardware components uh, where you can't go to an Ace or a Home Depot and just pick it up, right? It's something that you've drawn in CAD and you want to get produced, but you might only need one or 100. And, you know, those big injection molding suppliers or big CNC shops won't really give you the time of day, right? Because they got gigantic corporations spending millions of dollars with them. Um, So we see every customer as a giant corporation, right? Even if you're somebody in your basement doing your own DIY projects, or you're on an engineering team of four or five people um, working to bring a new innovative design to market, uh, Fictive is really good about bringing in your design, giving you the design for manufacturability feedback, and really pairing you with the most, the best suited manufacturing partner for your specific company. Yeah, it's
0: not so much about buying the uh, the three-inch long quarter 20 bolt, but about the, the, the fancy bracket that you need designed and manufactured that that bolt goes into.
2: Yeah, in other words, you do the hard stuff. <laughs> yeah, we do the complex and the hard stuff, right? And we are uh, we know that individual engineers are focused on their part or their component. Um, and Fictive is really experts in analyzing the whole assembly, right? So while you might be worried about that bracket, you're not worried necessarily or responsible necessarily for how it interacts with all of the other components in the assembly. And we help customers think through that. Redesign for that, and really get parts made that are, uh, you know, plugged in to the bigger picture beyond just the bracket. Uh,
1: I've I actually um, I've been working through a CNC build for the past I don't know how many months, Parker, a lot of months, and and <laughs> I actually. So I manufactured all of my own parts, uh, milled all of them, except for one that was a part that I can't do. And now I might be turning defective on this because I'm realizing you guys can actually probably make this part that I couldn't.
2: Yeah, send it our way, right? And, um, you know, we're really good about saying what we can't make as well. (laughs) I think that's really important. Uh, We're not going to lead you down this rabbit hole just to say like, hey, give us your money and then we're going to send you a part that doesn't work like we would much rather tell you upfront that it's not going to work and we can't do it than than play the game right so uh yeah we'd love to give it a shot stephen i mean send it our way
0: so it's not even just about it won't work but you can tell stephen how it wouldn't work right
2: yeah so on platform um pre purchase so before you even check out we have uh, instantaneous design for manufacturability feedback So it's a pretty interactive platform. Uh, You upload your CAD model, drag and drop or click upload. Um, We analyze the geometry using an an ML engine, so a machine learning engine that's done hundreds of thousands of parts. Um, And we tell you specific geometries that may not be able to be manufactured by the process that you've selected. So if you think about 3D printing, right? We'll highlight thin walled areas Um, And we'll actually highlight it in the viewer. So it's a 3D viewer where you can spin the part and see the exact piece of that geometry that's flagging the warning. Um, And we have two levels, right? We have warnings and failures. So a warning is like, hey, you know, this is close. We could probably make it, but if you can redesign, let's take a look at redesigning it with you. Um, And then a failure is like, hey, we're pretty sure that the way you've designed it isn't gonna be able to be made.
1: You know, I find that to be really fascinating that you mentioned machine learning in that. Because uh, if if you go to, say, a classic machinist uh, with a drawing or even with a part, a finished part, you can usually hand it to them and they'll look at it and be like, okay, well, it was probably made by doing this process first and then that process and then this. And, you know, I square this face and then I drill it. They can usually step through the processes to get from raw material to the finished good so does your machine learning algorithm attempt to do that uh in terms of like it's thinking about the raw material and then thinking about going towards the finished good
2: yeah yeah 100 percent. i think that's a really good call out right we as a manufacturing community know that there's a lot of tribal knowledge in manufacturing right and we know that a lot of that tribal knowledge is like aging out so you know, Fictive is also a tool for upskilling these young mechanical engineers and young design engineers to get them thinking about that manufacturing process. Um, To answer your question more directly, yes. So uh, not only do we provide the instant design for manufacturability feedback, but we actually present uh, an instantaneous quote on the part And the way that we get to that quote is exactly what you described, Stephen. right? So our engine is like analyzing the geometry saying, okay, I know that I'm gonna have to set this part up in three different fixtures. I know that I'm gonna have to use a lathe and then a mill, right, and then I'm gonna have to tap it. So the engine itself looks at the geometry and because it's analyzed so many parts and because we have a really kick-ass group of super nerdy computational geometry engineers that are awesome. <laughs> like the algorithm is doing exactly that. So we're working to build all of those setups and fixtures and machine types into not only the design for manufacturing feedback, but also that costing algorithm.
1: Wow, uh, that's, that's really impressive. Just, just because I think that, that, that kind of thought process comes Really easy and naturally to humans to look at a thing and be like I, I I've i never made this thing before but here's the things I know I'm going to need to do the XYZ in time in order to get to there But to have a computer do that is incredible
2: Yeah, and we're we're of the belief that the best automation is human plus machine right so like we start with this algorithm and we're like, okay, this is probably what it looks like. But every part that we produce, one has fictive quality engineers that inspect quality before it goes out the door, but two has technical program managers or technical applications engineers really thinking about the setup. And like we're looking at it and saying, okay, you know, this engine said that it'll be four setups with three different fixtures. Can we get it down to three setups? You know, can we think uh, critically about what, how this part would actually be made and, you know, tweak the pricing and the, the manufacturability from there? So it's really a guided expertise experience. It's not like it's not a marketplace, right? We don't take your design and then ship it out to 100 people and say, give me your best price and then present 100 prices to you, the customer. What Fictive is, is really a managed vetted partner network. And so based on our algorithm and based on your material configuration, right? The type of uh, machining process that you wanna use, we take all of that in, and then we stack rank the manufacturing partners in our network and match you to the best one in that network, right? So we're presenting a price, to a person whom we know can make it, who can meet your deadline and who we have really high level of trust in in terms of quality and delivery.
1: So so when when somebody reviews the I don't know, the four steps and said hey, I can do it in 3, does that get fed back into the algorithm to kind of refine the algorithm?
2: Yeah, so great question. Um, we have a, an awesome gentleman on the team who's Uh, solely responsible for that type of feedback, right? So not only is he looking at parts that we've done, he's looking at and talking to our customers regularly about what they're seeing from other suppliers and other vendors, right? And then we're constantly tweaking and changing that algorithm to get better from a price standpoint, right? We know that a lot of our customers as fictive are really, um, you know, this match service and not a marketplace, right? Um, And we know that getting a good part is better than getting the cheapest part, right? So um, the way that we talk and think about that from a fictive perspective is it's cheaper to do it once than it is to do it three times, right? So because we are like quality focused, And our platform is matched to a relatively low number of manufacturing partners, right? I think we have like 250 people in our network that actually cut chips and make parts for us. Um, What that allows us to do is really manage them appropriately, right? So we have like quality standards, we have visual inspections, every part that gets made on a fictive platform, uh, inspection photos of the actual part are taken before the part is shipped and they're available right on the platform. So you can go in, view inspection photos, you can see your part while it's in transit to you, right? And we do that intentionally, right? There's uh-huh. these marketplaces out there who have thousands of um, you know, manufacturing suppliers, and, and that's what they are, they're suppliers. And you can feel that when you use their service, right? It's like, hey, send me your CAD, and I'm just gonna like ship it out and not think about it because, it's one of a million parts we're trying to do today. Like Fictive is all about building relationships and that's relationships with our manufacturing partners and relationships with our customers. And the more that we work with people, the more we understand what they're looking for, what the projects they are working on that they're designing these components for. Um, And our applications engineers are tied into that, right? And that's another piece of design for manufacturability is... Hey, we know that we can do it with this capability, but does that capability match your project and match your timeline and match all of your other components that you're waiting for? So
1: this is not the first time that we've had fictive on the podcast. Uh, Way back in episode 187, we had Mike Geyer from fictive to come on to talk about the state of hardware report for 2019. So uh, I'm curious, based off of what happened in 2019 or what's happened between 2019 and 2023, uh, if you want to touch on that a little bit, Riley, what's what's different about the state of hardware?
2: Yeah, so um, the state of hardware report, uh, or as we call it now, the state of manufacturing report, is still an annual report that comes out effective. Um, we survey a vast array of our customers um, and some of our n- prospects right people who haven't used us yet but really try and understand where hardware development mechanical development me- mechanical component design is um, and since 2019 we all know uh, the pandemic situation right and what we've seen from the responses so far this year is really that strain on the supply chain um, it continues to be a massive problem for everybody. Um, and that's true in new product development and new product introduction as well. Um, these R&D teams are struggling to find capacity to get their mechanical, compo- mechanical components made. Um, and again, this is where Fictive is really uniquely positioned to help. Right? And we're really designed to de-risk that procurement of parts. So uh, because we have no minimum order sizes and because we have different capabilities, uh, again, across CNC machining, injection molding and such, uh, we have the ability to get you your parts and maintain your timeline. Um, I like to say that Fictive will be your your least crappy supplier. And, uh, you know... We, we can all, as engineers, understand that, you know, suppliers are mostly difficult to work with. So uh, Fictive just wants to be the least sucky one where we're not going to push your timelines out because we tell you what we can do, what we can do. We do what we say we're going to do, and you get your parts in hand with an inspection report and with quality photos Uh, When we say we're going to get them to you, you know,
1: I I really like that because it's a really realistic way of of putting it. And and that's not to not to say that, like, generally people are crappy or or whatnot, but I can't tell you how many times I've I've heard that Uh, not. I've just heard people saying, like, I just want someone to get the job done. Uh, I just need my parts. I just need whatever. You don't have to, you know, be the the best guy out there. You just have to suck the least.
2: Right. You know what I mean? And, like, we know that we don't make full assemblies, right? Like, Fictive doesn't make PCBs, right? We don't do a lot of electronic components. And so we know that we're not always the longest pull in the tent on your project, right? But we will deliver the parts when we say we're going to deliver them and they're going to be right the first time and we know to engineers there's a lot of value of having my mechanical parts in a box on my desk while i wait for my pcb to come in right because then as soon as i get it i can assemble everything and i have my final built project there's not this lag there's not this wait, there's not this rework cycle where it's like oh no my part's now holding up the assembly and my company's not gonna launch this product because I couldn't get it here in time. Like, we know there's value in that. And not only uh, financial value, but just like trust and capital, right? Like, again, we wanna be your partner in new product development, and we wanna get you your mechanical parts, whether the most critical parts or not. So so, uh, dial it back
0: a little bit, where you were talking about um, basically people are having a lot of problems with supply chains. Um, so I guess my question there is, is it, do we know why that's the case?
2: Yeah, I think, um, one pertinent example is like, let's take oil and gas just kind of as an industry, as an example, right? Um, oil and gas is, uh, a handful of really big companies that make like pipes and pipe fittings and, um, you know, very large assemblies. And it's kind of a boom or bust business because these projects are huge projects that take a lot of time, right? So they have a need and they have a need for a lot of stuff, but then when they go to the field to install this, they no longer have the production need, right? They're like installing something and their next project will be in two years. So oil and gas is interesting because they like have really, really high demand in these short like spread out periods which is the worst situation for suppliers, right? Suppliers are looking for like predictability and I know I'm gonna get this many projects from this customer every month. So like that's one example where the supplier customer relationship never really gets to like a point of partnership because I need you and I need you and then I don't need you at all in between, right? And again, because we have distributed manufacturing or on-demand manufacturing, Right. We have this 250 shops that we do business with every single day so that when your part comes in, we already have the relationship. We know the capacity and we're not stacking up a queue against ourselves. When we look at local manufacturing shops, you know, if you have a guy around the corner who does all of your brackets to go back to your example, Parker. Right? Your guy around the corner does all of your brackets, and you know that you can get a bracket turned around in five days on his CNC machine. Um, but then you have a critical project come up, and he's working on somebody else's bracket, and your design gets pushed out to 10 days, right? just because that's how the queue is set up. Um, what Fictive has is essentially unlimited capacity, because we can manage across our entire network for your one part or your thousand parts or your 150 parts. So like just the resiliency that we build into that supply base and de-risking either like a single supplier or de-risking managing 50 suppliers, because that is also a nightmare, right? Um, We do all of the management and we do all of the procurement for you. So you're not, If you're working on an engineering team at a larger company and you know that the guy around the corner is good um, to get him onto the company's approved vendor list and do all of the paperwork and make sure that he gets the job is a process, right? So you do that across 10 shops for one engineer multiplied by 50 engineers. And all of a sudden, you have this gigantic approved vendor list that needs to be vetted and managed every year and groomed, right? Some of these companies go out of business. Some of these companies no longer offer that material or that process. Um, so it's kind of a double-edged sword in terms of like where Fictive helps with, with supply chain concerns. Uh, you know, we're, We help when you need us, and we help if you have consistent business as well in terms of managing that relationship. I think one of my favorite taglines is uh, let engineers engineer, right? And my point is, like, if you're a design engineer or a mechanical engineer, you got into that field and got that job because you want to draw innovative, you want to create innovative products, right? And you want to sketch them and you want to 3D model them. You don't want to be on the phone with a supplier asking them what size (laughs) sheet metal they have on the on the floor and if they're going to be able to make that design. Right. So my tagline is let engineers engineer like you give us your design. We'll go get it made and you can go design the next thing.
0: Yeah, this is uh, on the electrical engineering side. But when um, I mean, supply chain, still, uh, it's not as bad on electrical components as it was, but when it was really bad about two years ago, um, I saw a lot of my my friends basically stop designing because they were becoming procurement people and most of their design work was in fixing procurement problems and they were that was not fun to them anymore and uh they they basically stopped doing it um so you're totally right about that well I also think that
1: uh, well I, I think that engineers are, are becoming a lot more multidisciplinary in their own field, so many times, I can't tell you how many times we've talked to electrical engineers who are also designing the 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 doing the system level de- design, doing the integration of the enclosures with their PCB stuff. and they may not be experts in that field, but yet that's still on their plate to do even though they're they're sweating and stressing over their electrical design. they're like, oh I still have to do this mechanical stuff on on you know, in addition to it, which, I feel like, you know, places like Fictive are are great to just be like, here, you know, I have, I, I need five prototypes. You guys take care of it. Just get them to me and they'll work.
2: Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, historically has been, manufacturing has been such a relationship game, right? There's always been that local job shop where you can go, you can like walk in and say, hey, here's my PCB. I need to make an enclosure for it. Help me. Right. Um, and there's a lot of value in that. Right. But there's a lot of risk in, in working with a small shop with limited capacity, right, and limited quality. So, um, Fictive tries to blend that line. Um, and that's why we have applications engineers. That's why we're a consultative service. Right. So, like, you can come and bring your design to us and we'll help you just like that. But we know that we have the capacity on the back end to fulfill. Um, You brought up enclosures. I think this is like super important uh, in terms of PCB design, right? Because uh, you're right. I think these engineers are becoming more multidisciplinary and starting to think about the electromechanical system rather than just the electrical system uh, is important. So, you know, where am I going to put the holes on my board so that I can screw it into the enclosure and not mess up any of the traces? Right. And like, what clearance do I need and how do I know that it's going to be supported properly? Um, and all of that stuff is stuff that we can help with. So, you know, when you think about relatively fragile PCBs, um, you know, you start designing enclosures to support them in the right areas, whether that's with ribs or with bosses, um, and you start to think about how is this gonna actually go into the assembly? Uh, and then you start thinking about process, right? Do I wanna 3D print this, or do I wanna injection mold this? Um, we see 3D printing a lot when we're making, you know, under 50, um, You know, it's relatively affordable, and we can change designs quickly. But if you're an engineer who is working in new product development and in prototyping, and you know, hey, I'm gonna make 50 of these now and test it all out, but then I'm gonna make 5,000 and I wanna injection mold those, right? Like Fictive is the perfect partner because when we look at the design and we have that conversation, we're actually gonna to start to make your 3D printed design moldable, right? So like we're no longer just designing for 3DP, We're designing for 3DP now knowing that it's going to be molded, right? So we're really thinking about like uniform shell thickness, um, shrinkage and coolage, cooling, right? And how that part is going to change when it goes to injection molded, where we might not see those same things when it's 3D printed. Oh, that's interesting. So you're thinking about future processes while currently thinking about what's happening right now. Yeah, and I think, again, it's just that it's that human touch that makes us different, right? Like if you if you go to a marketplace online and you upload your design and you select 3DP, they're only looking at 3DP, right? We try and understand holistically where that project is going, and there'll be times where it will only be 3DP, right? But in the future, if you're going to want to mold it, you're not going to want to change your design after you validated the prototype in 3DP, because now you got to make more of them and 3dp takes too long right so let's think about the injection molding design during the prototype phase even if we're going to 3d print it so that when it gets to im we know we can make it there mm-hmm. too and also just like
0: makes it so that your enclosure at the prototyping stage is still more like how it's going to be in production um yeah and, for and sure. funny enough uh, this is not particularly with dfm but um I have talked about on the podcast before Where like, um, if you're, if you're designing a 3d printed part or bracket or something like that, adding a little, what, like a, like a draft angle to stuff, even though the 3d printer doesn't need that, it actually does make your part look better. And I don't know how to explain that. And, but it does. And the funny thing is I've, I've mentioned this before, and then we've had people comment back saying like, I've done that to my design. And it does look better. And I don't know why, but for some reason, doing that <laughs> yeah. does make it look two better. degrees. Two degrees is all you need. Yeah, but like a three D <laughs> printer doesn't need that to build the part. No, but it's just funny yeah. how it just I think I think it goes to our mind where like for some reason injection molded parts look. I know I'm getting off track here. Uh, injection molded parts look psychological. Yeah, conditioning. they look more professional, right? And like an actual part. Yeah. So that that in your brain. When you look at a 3D printed part, you go, "Oh, that's 3D printed." But if you make it look like an injection molded part, it, it tricks your brain, right? Uh, okay, so so real quick, I've got I've got a tangent that's
1: still on point a little bit because this is a first for me. Uh, last weekend my wife and i celebrated our anniversary and we decided to go to a brazilian steakhouse because my wife is awesome and she was she was down for that and and so at this steakhouse they brought out these little flags which were basically two inverted pyramids connected together and one side was red and one side was green if you were If you're basically if you were willing to accept steak you would flip the pyramid over uh, green and people would come over and drop steak on your plate and if you were not wanting to have them come you would flip over for red every single one of these little like flags they gave you all of them were 3d printed every table in the entire restaurant had 3d printed flags and and I started thinking about this this was a chain restaurant Uh, And they have restaurants all over the United States. In in the one location I had, there was probably a hundred flags on the floor, and there was probably in the back, they probably had another hundred, and that's for one location. Multiply that by the locations all across the United States. They probably had a need for many thousands of these to be made, which in my opinion, like that's totally a candidate for injection molding. They could have had these injection molded and had that more quote professional look, but they opted for 3D printing. And it's very clearly FDM printed. Like they had all the lines on it and everything and like I could even see in a couple places that they like they were not fully perfectly printed, but for this professional restaurant they were fine with that. And I and and it kind of brought a, a smile to my face cuz it was like, okay, this is now becoming an accepted option for a professional business to utilize and just say like, yeah, this is, we made it this way. And, and of course, I'm probably the only person in the last year who looked at that and was like, huh, how did they manufacture these little beef flags, you know, for for having dinner? <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was cool that it's like, okay, it, the, I'm starting now to see that.
2: Yeah. And I, I think it's a fun tangent, but it's such a relevant tangent, right? Because we are seeing 3DP be more accepted in the professional B2B landscape. Um, but we're also seeing on-demand manufacturing being more accepted on the B2B landscape, right? And like the companies that we're working with now are Fortune 100 companies, right? We're working with some of the biggest ev vehicle companies we're working with aerospace companies we're working with medical device companies and like this idea that it's becoming more accepted because it needs to be right because people want to go faster they want to go cheaper they want to go better um and historically it's been a trade-off between speed quality and price like pick two right (laughs) um but I think that's changing even a little bit. I think you're now able to get all three of those for your your new product development and for your R&D teams. Um, and it's really exciting as somebody who's been around manufacturing for a long time to see this shift, both with 3DP, but also with um, you know on-demand manufacturing and AI, ML in general, right? And how these new technologies are really changing the landscape of uh, a historically pretty slow-moving industry.
0: Yeah, especially with um, smaller OEMs and being able to support when uh, basically smaller batches of their of their uh, their custom manufactured parts. Um, that was actually kind of like the idea behind uh, MacroFab too. Was a way to for small OEMs to kind of break up their batches and enable them to not have to place huge orders uh, with a manufacturer they might not know too much about.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, if you bring Fictive back to its roots, right? Like we started doing that for 3D printed components in the San Francisco Bay Area, and our founders like printed them and delivered them on scooters, right? Like (laughs) years ago, this is how we got our start. And, you know, it's only grown and the industry has only changed to where now the ability to produce injection molding T1 samples, you know, in 10 days is something that we can do, right? Like we can take your part design, we make the mold design, we cut it out of aluminum, we hit it with injection molded parts and send you samples. You can have them as quick as 10 days. Like it's crazy to think that the industry has gone so far in such a short time um but yeah i mean you're spot on the small innovative fast-moving companies are like people that we share a mindset with and love working with and work with a lot
1: also just the fact that there's a need for that there's a need for somebody who wants to get injection molded quality in 10 days (laughs)
2: yeah, <laughs> insane, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think we've talked about that on the podcast before, but it's it's one of those um, a 3D printed part might be fine for prototyping, but when you need to go show it to uh, investors or something like that, having that injected molded part really goes a long way. back when 3d printing was was new and like you were first starting to get your first like kind of like desktop units like that was like it would wow investors but now they look at that as at least at least my experiences investors typically will look at that as like even before prototyping it really like they want to see more of the finished product um and we'll be because when they see the 3D printed part now, they assume that's going to be the final product. And they're like, oh, it's 3D printed.
1: Before, Parker, where you've done a an FDM print and someone was like, "Uh," And then you just went back and did a UV print and brought it to them. It's yeah. still 3D printed. And they're like, oh, this is great. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> For some reason, it just has that look to it. And some people are fine with it and some are not. And um, it's just interesting. And so like, that's the thing is like having a, such a quick turn injection molding could really change, you know, how, like if you were a startup and you've got a big presentation coming up, you know, you might want to think about it as an option. Um,
2: yeah. I think the, the story that we like to tell is that whole evolution, right? Is like from 3DP to IM, like matching the story from prototype to bridge production to full-scale production right and like we full-scale production injection molding is like a super slim margin game with a very small handful of really big players right and like we know that they are best set up for production injection molding but before you get to hundreds of thousands Like, let us help you with that transition from prototype to bridge and from 3DP to IM. So then when you're going to full-scale production, you're still taking an IM part. Yes, maybe it's soft tooling, right? Aluminum tooling instead of steel. But you're taking a proven tested injection molding design to one of these experts with quantity where you'll actually get them to listen to you.
1: Yeah, if if anything, in the last handful of months, well, a few years, I, I've learned that um, injection molding is voodoo and uh, being able to test some things like plastic doesn't flow. It just it flows in such a weird way that being able to try things is really, really helpful before you commit to a ten, twenty, $30,000 mold, you know?
2: Yeah, and um, we just released something on the Fictive platform that is uh, 3D visualization for injection molding, right? So we'll like show you your mold flow analysis and give you a little playback video and say like, hey, based on your design, this is where you're injecting. Here's your eject pins. This is how the part's going to cool. You know, this is the dimension that you're going to see shrinkage in. And, like, all of that's built into the Fictive platform to help you as the engineer conceptually understand, like, because I designed it this way, here's what's going to happen to the end part. So so the designer can then go and
1: modify things and just see basically in real time their, the yeah. results? That's
2: cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we call that am uh, 3D visualization. Uh, th- that right there is the kind of
1: thinking that is probably decades of knowledge that somebody can learn by just update upload a design see how it fails change something and then see how it works uh just through simulation right
2: yeah and i mean i can say this because i'm an engineer too but like we're kind of curmudgeons, right? And like, we want to see how it's going to (laughs) break. Like, show me how it's going to break and how it's not going to work. And then I'll go fix it, right? But if I just don't get any of that feedback and then I get a part and I try and assemble it and it breaks during assembly, like that's worst case scenario because now I got to start over. So we're trying to get involved earlier on in the process and during design and giving our customers that feedback and that guidance so that when you get a part, it's a part that's gonna work, it's gonna perform with its design intent, and it's gonna be right the first time.
1: Well, well, perhaps it's a little bit sad, but uh, uh, the, the the things that break sting a lot more than when you get pat on the back for when you did things right. So we, we do kind of focus on when the things break more than when they go
2: right. <laughs> Wait, you get pets on the back? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right.
1: The, uh, <laughs> th- there's, there's an infinite amount of ways for the thing to go wrong, and there's like
2: one way for it to go right. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think that's I think that's on.
0: So one, one more thing I want to ask about before we uh, let you go, Riley, is about material selection, uh, especially for these enclosures. And is there anything you can expand on that?
2: Um, yeah, so I think, you know, specifically for electrical enclosures, there's a lot of different considerations, right? There's, um, ESD considerations, there's, uh, waterproof considerations, there's weatherproof considerations, uh, there's UV considerations, right? Is this going to be outside? Um, and I think that again, with how we operate as a company, We wanna help you through those questions. Like we don't expect you to know that I need nylon 12 glass filled for your enclosure, right? Like we wanna hear your problems and we wanna help you through that process of selecting the appropriate material. Um, I think the material selection is one component, but if we work from the foundation of design intent and like how is this gonna be used, Right. There's a lot of other considerations that go into it than just material. Again, manufacturing process, um, speed, cost, uh, interaction with other components. Right. So um, it's not a question that I can answer straight out, Parker, and give you like, here's the two materials that you should use for your electrical enclosure. Um, Come on, you you don't have all the answers.
0: Manufacture everything (laughs) out of
2: titanium
0: and it will never fail.
2: <laughs> <laughs> done yeah yeah exactly unlimited budget <laughs> titanium electrical enclosures um no so i i think my answer would be like come talk to us come check it out let's let's see what we can do like uh our company was founded by engineers for engineers like um our founder worked at ford and saw that he couldn't get parts fast enough for r&d so like he went and built a company around this idea of like, let's help new product development engineers get the parts they need regardless of process and regardless of where they're located um, and make sure that we can build it fast with high quality uh, at a reasonable price.
0: Well, that sounds really awesome Riley. Um, I want to thank you. Oh, Steven, do you have any other questions for Riley? no i think i'm good cool um thank you so much riley for coming on the podcast to talk about fictive and state of manufacturing oh actually speaking of that um we were talking about a little bit before the podcast about how uh you are starting to do the state of manufacturing report again um well you have been doing it but there's a new one coming out soon
2: yeah Yeah. So we're just starting our surveys for that. So if anybody listening wants to be a part of that survey response, um, generally we'll ask questions around new product development, around how you've seen your suppliers landscape change over the last year. Has it gotten better, worse, harder, um, easier? And kind of trying to understand, are you guys working with more domestic suppliers, more North American suppliers? Are we still overseas? using offshore suppliers a lot Uh, really general questions about your business anonymously submitted. Um, But if you want to be involved, please just shoot me an email, Riley.Hall, H-A-L-L at fictive.com. And we'll get you in the queue and we'll we'll send you the survey and uh, you can be part of the fictive 2023 state of manufacturing report. And with that, That was the
0: Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take
1: it easy.